0: We have Dr. Saharia with us. Uh, He is a highly skilled and renowned transplant surgeon with Houston Methodist Department of Surgery. He is also the director of liver transplant at Houston Methodist J.C. Walter Jr. Transplant Center. Uh, Dr. Saharia has 15 years of experience in liver transplantation and specializes in surgical oncology with a special interest in pancreatic cancer. Wow, doctor, you you have amazing. Um, your resume looks amazing, and your work over fifteen years. So we're so excited you're here uh, to share information with us. And thank you so much for the time. Um, so let's begin. What what causes the disease? Right before we get into transplantation, we want to know from you what causes liver uh, liver disease.
1: Okay. You know, I'm going to take this opportunity to divide my talk into liver disease, kidney disease, maybe a touch of uh, lung and lung and heart disease because transplantation is my field. Mostly transplantation is what I do. So, so I'll start with livers first because livers is something that I do mostly. I do some okay. kidney transplants too, but I do mostly liver transplants. I'll start with livers. So let us talk about what causes liver disease and what makes people sick enough to need a liver transplant. Right. So most of the reason mo- the most common reason for people to have liver disease in current world is actually alcoholic liver disease. So oh. you know we have uh, you know everyone drinks alcohol and just uh, that's that's the thing in the community. That's uh, that's one thing. Then then of course there is hepatitis C which is now has a treatment for so not as much hepatitis C but uh, hepatitis b is another thing that mm. people people can acquire hepatitis b which is an infection okay and then of course some autoimmune disease like my body is attacking my my organs. So, my, my immune system is attacking my organs, like, for example, an autoimmune process uh, like autoimmune hepatitis, which is uh, liver being attacked, or something called PSC, which is again the same spectrum of autoimmune diseases affecting the liver. So, so vast majority, I would say, uh, the reason why people line up with liver disease is alcoholic liver disease, then, okay. is the hepatitis and the autoimmune processes.
0: Okay. And uh, what can what can we do to prevent uh, uh, prevent this disease? Is there anything under
1: yes. our control? Yes. So uh, so for sure, uh, we all know how to prevent alcoholic liver disease, yeah. but uh, if we talk, I'll and I'll come back to it in a yeah. second. But I want to touch. On hepatitis B and hepatitis C a little bit. For hepatitis B, there is vaccination, and you know this vaccination is universal. Every every kid who's born, at least in this country, gets hepatitis B vaccination. But hepatitis B is very common uh, in the in the Asian part of the world, and it's but it's getting better. There is also uh, something called vertical transmission of hepatitis B, which means that it, it passes on from mother to child. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, But vaccinations have definitely helped. The world is different now. Hepatitis B vaccination is almost universal. Yeah. And uh, we need to get boosters for hepatitis B because sometimes we will check people for hepatitis B vaccine. They said they've had hepatitis B vaccine, but their titers are not high enough. Okay, And uh, and hepatitis B can be t- transmitted through blood transfusion uh, 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 and through tattoos, through sexual contact. So all this can, the transmissions can happen through different routes. And similarly, hepatitis C is like that. Hepatitis C does not have a vaccine, Mm -hmm. but hepatitis C has an excellent treatment now. So, And the vast majority of people who have hepatitis C right now don't even know they have hepatitis C. So the way to really know that somebody has hepatitis C is to get yourself checked. So when you go to a doctor, you know, you order some blood tests and hepatitis C is never part of the spectrum. So you'll get, okay, I'll get my kidney function, I'll get my my hemoglobin and i'll get my my liver function but nobody talks about hepatitis c but if yeah. you check people if you specifically ask your your primary care physician hey can you please also check me yeah. for hepatitis c because you know i had uh I had immunization uh back home and you know i don't know if the needles were sterile at that time and hepatitis c was common yeah. i don't i don't know if i still have i, I ever acquired hepatitis yeah. through c through it but if someone has had like like tattoos done or or know that they've had blood transfusion in the past, it's probably the best to get yourself checked for hepatitis C. Okay. And the third thing is autoimmune diseases. Autoimmune diseases, unfortunately, there is no way to know mm-hmm. about autoimmune diseases. And autoimmune disease is uh, is something that uh, we uh, can only know if you do a blood test and your liver function is off. Okay. So that is... Uh, that is something that can only come through blood tests.
0: But so is that a regular test that an MD? Uh, yes. MD so okay. yeah, when
1: you go to a primary care physician, they'll definitely check you for for your LFTs, which is a liver function test. And your liver function test okay. Liver function tests are okay, you're yeah. pretty sure that you don't have autoimmune disease yeah. or kidney disease.
0: Yeah, because I rem- I just had one. So that's why I'm asking. Because yeah. I remember her saying something about my kidneys functioning fine. Yeah. And she must have said liver. But yeah. I guess for me, kidney is more of, because my father-in-law yeah. passed away with it. Yeah. So I pay more attention.
1: No, definitely. That, yeah. We'll talk about kidney transplants or kidney yeah. kidney diseases in a second. Yeah. But let me just focus on two important things which I want to really focus on for the liver disease to develop. Yeah. So, one is alcohol, but I didn't fail to mention. One is called Nash non-alcoholic hepatitis, which is essentially people who have obesity uh-huh. and whose cholesterol is high and they have diabetes. So these three things together, if they occur it it causes a disease in the liver called fatty liver disease. Okay. Fatty liver disease is one of the biggest causes of liver disease right now. Oh. And uh, most of the people actually I know in my community my my brother has fatty liver disease because oh. he's uh, he just eats a lot of carbohydrates. It's mm. not he's not a diabetic, but he's slightly overweight. And uh, so that is something that I am always on him to try to lose weight, not yeah. eat a lot of uh, sugars and carbohydrates and be very careful about his diet. Yeah. His, his liver function tests are slightly okay. elevated, but if you look at all my patients who have cirrhosis, have had that history for 10 years and 10 years later, they develop cirrhosis. Okay. Cirrhosis is end-stage liver disease. That means you're done with your liver. This Ooh. liver needs to be changed. So okay. whoever... Is a diabetic slightly overweight, cholesterol Mm. high? Become extremely careful that 10 years down you're likely to develop cirrhosis. So it is something that we need to be extremely careful about. And weight loss is the best way to control fatty liver disease. And if somebody has, uh, uh, and weight loss doesn't mean like I'm gonna go in like three months, I'll be down. That doesn't work. Actually, it'd make it your liver liver worse. So you want a weight loss which comes in your lifestyle. I will consume low calories. I'll yeah. have more self control. Yeah. I will not put myself in a situation that'll make me eat more. Yeah, person like me, I reach home. If I have food sitting on the table, I will start eating. Yeah, and so I tell my my wife please don't have anything on the counter because as soon as i enter I i'll start eating so so that is that is the system you develop system you know you can de- i can work on my self control but self control ends very quickly yeah so the the system of the house says okay you know we will lead a healthy life and healthy life means having a system and i don't have to exert self control all the time if my house is geared towards a healthy living yes and if I have talked about it with my family multiple times that you know, I have very little self-control on food, yes. please don't keep food on the counter, then, you know, it'll start happening. Yes. So I would suggest to everyone, and, and it also starts at the grocery store. If I'm not buying, so my, my and I'm not going to keep blaming on her, it's just that, <laughs> it's like if you have, if you have like chocolate sitting at home, whoever may have bought it, maybe me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm most likely, if I'm hungry, I'm going to pick up one, yeah. you know. Yeah. So it just starts at the grocery store. If we, if you we are very mindful mm-hmm. that it is an epidemic right now. Everyone, you do an ultrasound, you'll see somebody has fatty liver disease. And it's very oh. easy to pick up fat on ultrasounds. Okay. So uh, uh, carbohydrate intake is the most common cause for this fatty liver disease. Okay. So... I've talk, talked about fatty liver disease. Now I'm going to talk about alcoholic liver disease. Like, alcoholic liver disease is a condition, obviously, clearly, as the name says, is caused by consuming alcohol. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but, you know, you can say how much alcohol. It's very difficult to, to quantify, but we know that everyone is a little different. You know, I could drink, I, I could have two drinks a day. It may be, okay for me but if somebody having one drink a day maybe too much for them and what is more important to know is acute alcoholic liver disease that some kids they will start drinking a whole lot because they're they're in college and everybody else around them are drinking and and then you know somebody will have something called acute liver disease that means i drank too much alcohol and suddenly my liver is shut down oh my and this happens That's because crazy. I mean, actually, we have examples of this happening from kids. Sometimes we'll get kids transferred from from nearby colleges, yeah. and they will come in in a bad state of mind uh, because once your liver is shut down, you're you're not clearing toxins. Your brain is cloudy, yeah. so people don't know where they are. They have they're obtunded. Uh, they start turning yellow because oh. uh, when you have liver disease, you, you start becoming very jaundiced. Okay. And, uh, if, if the kids only knew in college that, hey, listen, it's okay to party, but, but be careful about drinking alcohol. If yes. you, if you're in a situation that is going to put you into a company of people who are drinking alcohol, I can guarantee you the kids yeah. will go and drink alcohol. Yeah. So the best thing I keep saying, create a system where you don't fall into a situation where you, you feel yeah. that it's being pressured into drinking or, If you have, if you think that you have some mental health disease, if you have, it's not a stigma to have mental health disease. It is important to recognize that the kids go through a rough period, you know, Mm -hmm. transitioning from home to college. You have to recognize some little bit of depression, a little bit of anxiety is very common. My son went through it and there was a time that we had to pull him out of college just for his mental health because it's important because... If I didn't spend six months with my son fixing his mental health, yeah. he could have gone into drinking alcohol. Yeah. Which, if if I had recognized it, then I better act on it. Yeah. So it's important for your own own health to to do this, yeah. and so uh, it's important for me to tell everyone that uh, you have to be careful about mental health, which which can lead to alcoholic liver disease you need the kids need to be sure that they don't get into a company or a situation i don't so i don't want to use the word company i want to use the word situation so Mm -hmm. you want to get into a situation where you will drink in large amounts Mm -hmm. which can result in severe liver disease and can put you in acute liver failure which will require the only way to save a person like this is is a liver transplant
2: Um, i'm so happy he spoke about mental health because i feel like that is a subject especially in our yeah, it's community. taboo. I, and yeah. a hope it comes is. and
1: tells that my son yeah, had, yeah. had mental And it's not spoken about it's, enough. It's important I mean, to yeah. talk about it. Absolutely. Because if I talk about my son having yeah. uh, having depression, and yeah. that's why we had to pull him out of college, I'm I'm... As a physician, I uh, I'm want this word go out because I want people to realize that it is a real thing. When kids go from school from home to college, it can happen. During COVID, you just don't know how these kids would. You know, they had plans for their future, their plans for how their college was going to look like. Everything yeah. was shut down. Yeah. yeah, kids were not meeting kids. Yeah, it was an isolated situation. I mean, our kids—almost forty percent of our kids are going through depression or anxiety, okay. and we need to realize this. And we need to bring it out in the open so yeah. that we can actually get it treated. Yeah,
0: absolutely.
2: We'll I'm so happy you about help. this. Yeah. Yeah. Thank
0: you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, But it's it is sad, right? Like these kids are just beginning their life. This is yeah. just the beginning. Exactly. They they like, had
1: so much hopes for themselves. Yeah. And, you know, it's just. Uh, COVID did put a big, big thing. thing. Yeah, and
0: if they're but if they're coming in your ERs and they need a transplant, then that's, that's going to be yeah. something that yeah, is going to affect their entire for life. life. Yeah. 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 So it, it is so yeah. important to even talk about yeah, my this. normal life
1: versus my life with the liver transplant is very different. It's very different, very
0: different. Yeah. exactly. Um, so what what uh, what can be done to prevent a uh, liver transplant or liver disease?
1: Uh, so again, you know. Uh, Again, one, two, three, four, alcoholic liver disease. Don't put yourself in a situation. Fatty liver disease.
0: Your diet.
1: Diet control. Calorie control is, I want want to use the word calorie control over diet control because the calorie control means that you're mindful of every calorie that you consume. If I'm putting food in my mouth, somehow in my brain, I'm going 110 calories. And the reason, people may say, I don't know, that's stupid, you know, shouldn't do it but realize this, that fatty liver disease is present in almost 50% of us. We have to think they probably have fatty liver disease. And if we have fatty liver disease for 10 to 15 years, we are likely to develop cirrhosis, especially if I develop diabetes. If I go overweight, I'm uh, 52 years old and my weight is 185 pounds. Now if I hit 190, maybe I'll turn diabetic. That Mm. five pound difference can turn me into a diabetic.
2: Can it be reversed?
1: It can be reversed. Okay. So, so you can reverse diabetes, fatty liver disease, by 10% weight loss. Oh, wow. 10% weight loss means my calorie consciousness and my exercise consciousness. Yes, so if I'm able to... So, I mean, exercise, one word is like, oh, hitting the gym. That's the, that's the more popular way of doing it. Yeah. But really exercise just means that Walk. I need to be on my feet more than <laughs> yeah. on my yeah. butt more. I need yeah. to be walking more yeah. and I need to be taking stairs more than than taking the elevators more. I yeah. need to park my, my car, car distance yes. and th- so just yeah. little things will but add also, exercise. also
2: I feel like because you know how they say that 80-20, right? Like where 80% is of the food that you eat right. yeah. and 20% is the exercise. Yeah. So like, I, I mean, just I, I know a couple of people, in fact, my own husband, mm. <laughs> he exercises, he plays tennis and he is very, um, you know, athletic. Uh, but food, when it comes to food, you know, and weakness, that's me too. That's like it. we <laughs> just kind of like, that's, yeah, that's our weakness. Like we don't drink or anything, <laughs> yeah. but food, when it yeah, comes when to food, we just food, like.
1: Yeah, because, you know, the. the brain the center for heroin and the center for for sugar and food is the same so what lights up in mris when you when you you consume food and Mm -hmm. when you consume heroin is the same center of the brain oh wow Wow. it's food is addicting so you have to realize that food is addicting yeah it is (laughs) we don't need food but we will still eat food because it's two o'clock it's yeah. it's breakfast time. It's lunch time. Sugars will dip. We'll yeah. run the food. Yeah.
2: So, what's your intake on intermittent fasting when it comes to that?
1: Intermittent fasting is an excellent way. So, your glycemic controls can be brilliant if you do if you do intermittent fasting. You eat once a day. That's all. That's a all. Oh uh, one meal a
2: day.
1: One meal a day. I mean, yeah. like, or you can you can r- reduce your timing of eating from four p.m. to eight p.m. or you know from noon to 4 p.m., something like that, so that you have very good glycemic control and your sugars are not like crazy high. Yeah. 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 Okay, thank you.
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: it's an excellent way to control your sugars and and keeping your weight steady. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, of course, calorie consciousness, yes. not diet control, because diet control, diet fads come, diet fads go. Yeah. I could be t- eating only protein and fat diet or whatever. Yeah, keto know, and then keto diet and whatnot. the yeah. problem with keto diet is if I lose too much weight too fast, then my liver turns into actually believe it or not, rapid weight loss results in fatty liver disease. Oh. There are some mechanisms involved which 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 is related to the ketogenic food or the, the ketosis that it causes fatty liver disease. So oh. rapid weight loss can also cause fatty liver disease, which is which is well, that's why it is important that it is steady and not, it's not sudden yeah. okay. so it needs to be a three-year plan not a 30-day plan yeah, yeah. So, slow and steady wins yeah. the race so, slow and steady is the yeah. only if i if you say that i'm completely going to eliminate sugar from my diet and ha- no. i've tried that never days, <laughs> never never works yeah. but if you say that i'll be conscious every time i take if i have like a piece of cake and I take only two bites of yeah. it, that's doable. Yeah. Yeah, I've had much you know, satisfaction of my eating yeah. a cake or a piece of ice cream, but I'm not having like six bites of the cake or six bites of the ice cream. Yeah.
2: Five bites is okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. now
1: I have some friends who will actually, if they if they eat sugar, they'll go and hit the gym right after because it's in their minds that I consume sugar. And so that calorie consciousness is important for us. Especially in this world, when you realize that 50% of us will have fatty liver disease, we we better think we also have it. We probably have some of it. So we become calorie conscious, we become healthier. Health conscious, yeah. Yeah. Awesome.
0: Okay. Um,
1: Can I talk about kidney disease now? Yes. I'm going to switch gear pretty quickly, yeah. 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 Because uh, uh, I. When I've done a lot of kidney transplants, also I do only livers, but now, but I want to really touch on kidney kidney transplant, and it just comes down to the same thing, you know, your blood pressure control and your diabetes control, because vast majority of kidney disease and liver, I'm sorry, kidney disease is caused by either diabetes or chronic hypertension. Yeah. So. And again, diabetes is, is related to our diet is related. Of course it's, it's inherited. You can, you can inherit, you can have like whole family members having diabetes, but, but I can also be somebody who has poor glycemic control, which means my sugars stay high, uh, for half the day and half the day it's normal. But so, and that's bad for the kidneys Mm -hmm. and uh, it's bad for the liver, but uh, if I have chronic hypertension it doesn't affect the liver as much but it definitely affects my kidneys yeah. and uh, so these are the things that we don't need a doctor for you know if yeah. i if i have a blood pressure instrument at home and my blood pressures are showing high on you know if i check my blood pressure say five times in one day so i just i want to see what my blood pressure fluctuation is just have one day dedicated to, I'm going to check my blood pressure today, check five times and see how many times it has been high. Yeah. If it's been high for more than three times, that means you need treatment. So okay. it's important to, to have those things in your mind that high blood pressure can result in your kidneys failing after 10 years of having blood, high blood pressure. Mm-hmm. And we don't need a doctor for it. We just yeah. need to be self conscious for it. Yes. I don't need to visit my doctor. If I don't like going to a doctor's fine, but at least I can check my yeah. check my blood pressure and it's like a thirty dollar equipment equipment that you can get from Walgreens. Yeah. And blood sugar is again, you know, yes, it is important. It's hard for people to stick themselves and measure their sugars, but they can definitely have a system in place where they don't you know grocery shopping is done correctly that means we we have very particular about part what we pick our pantries are stored in such a way that we don't have like excessive guilty pick up food <laughs> yes. you know you can have rice sitting in them you can have wheat sitting in them But i cannot pick up rice from a rice container and start eating unless it's cooked yeah. but if i have uncooked stuff if i have like ready-made food sitting in my i'll pick it up and eat Trust yeah. me, I will walk into the pantry when I'm hungry. I'll walk it like, eat it. Like we have
0: chevra yeah. and puri yeah. and God knows what not.
1: That sitting, in the a, sitting in the pantry, right? Yeah. Like you'll walk in and <laughs> I'm hungry, you know? Yeah. I'm watching TV. Oh, the show is so exciting, but I need to take this one second break. I'll yeah, walk and me pick go up. Yeah, grab
2: some chips. Yeah, grab
1: some chips and come back. <laughs> it's just, you know, unfortunately, you know, yeah. in this world where, if we can see an epidemic of fatty liver disease happening, we better know that it's probably in me too. Okay. And if I'm not acting today, my yeah. like tomorrow is going to be bad. Oh, wow. Yeah.
0: But then how, like, I'm just thinking about our kids, right? If we're saying this about yeah. ourselves, how do we, are we we both have young kids, yeah. like eight and 12. Yeah. So like, how do we stop it? Because I'm sitting in my pantry, I have yeah. like candies and yeah. Pelanos, exactly. and what. So
1: I mean, my wife is a pediatrician oh, and wow. that's all she does is talk about, how we need to start it early. You don't want yeah. to, you don't want your kids not to, to have eliminated. candy. Yeah, you know, but they need to be extremely aware. Because. This is very addicting. Yes, and if you make them aware of the fact that these are very addicting, yeah. you will see your kids will automatically have self control. Okay. But they need to know the downside of it. And you have to keep talking about it repeatedly. Yeah. When you talk about it repeatedly, then then you know that they will be aware of it. If you talk about, "Hey, I'm having this banana, it's 110 calories." Tomorrow when your when your kid picks up a banana, it's like, "I'm eating 110 calories." Mm. It's it's just a thing that you become calorie conscious for the family and it doesn't happen if mom doesn't do it or dad doesn't yeah. do it. How do you expect the child to do it, do you it. know? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah. So yeah. true.
2: Um, and they will let you know.
1: Yeah. And, and that is excellent. You, know. you want you want your children to point you out because then you know they're aware yes you know somebody watching on you all the time and that's also another system you can create for your husband or your wife or your kid your family your dad your mom it's like it's okay to object absolutely if if i'm eating extra food my wife should be pointing out to me stop eating
2: Yeah. yeah absolutely and
1: you know you should not take it as they're being too controlling you have to take it this person wants my health yeah,
2: yeah. It's, it's
0: wishing for if the I, better yeah, yeah you're
1: wishing for for the better and yeah. unless you have those those families where the structure allows you to in, interrupt somebody's eating yeah that 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 allowing environment will have a healthy you know your kids will grow healthy absolutely and uh, they will be careful about it
0: we're going to take a quick break i love the way the conversation is yes. going but we'll be back right after the break session with Dr. Saharia, we were talking about the causes of the disease, how to prevent it. And now we're going to go to what is the transplant process, right? The worst comes scenario. Yeah.
1: So what happens, uh, so transplants is, of course, our last option. Yes. You know, I've tried to prevent liver disease. I've pre- tried to prevent kidney disease or heart disease or lung disease, whatever it was. I've tried whatever preventions I have. Now they have failed. Now we have a... Kidney that's in you know person is on dialysis, or, or the liver has failed and now have cirrhosis, or I have lung disease and I have pulmonary fibrosis, or I have heart disease and I have heart failure. So yes. reached a point where you cannot turn around and go back.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> <more> dying, <laughs> yes. yeah.
1: So. So if somebody has bad liver disease, and I, so the condition that is that develops when you have bad liver disease and the liver has failed is called cirrhosis. Okay. Cirrhosis means the liver that is otherwise smooth and soft has become really hard and knob, no, no, knobby, and nodular. Okay. So and blood can re- barely flow through it, and uh, and so what's what starts to happen is you know people have back pressure changes in the blood because blood's trying to flow through a liver that's so hard and it starts backing up and then starts leaking fluid in the in the abdomen, so in the belly, so you start developing fluid collections in the abdomen, wow. on the belly. So awesome. my belly starts to grow and big, become bigger because of fluid, mm-hmm. not because I'm becoming fat. It's just fluid starts accumulating or water starts accumulating. Water starts accumulating around my lungs, my legs swell, my face swells. Yeah. Sometimes people vomit blood or there's blood in the stools or I get very jaundiced or or I'm confused all the time. I have confusion in my brain and uh uptunded. I'm sleeping most of the day because I'm so weak. Mm-hmm. I don't want to walk. I don't want to get out of bed. That is what liver failure does to you. Now, once that has happened, then of course, you know, we have to become more active. If I haven't been to a doctor and I've reached cirrhosis, I better go to a doctor now if I want to have some extra days in my life. So you go to the doctor, you basically, they will diagnose that you have cirrhosis by different tests. And once the cirrhosis diagnosis is made, then you have to go to a transplant center. Transplant centers are only like, there are only three transplant centers here in the, maybe there are 50 hospitals in the city of Houston, but there are only three hospitals that do liver transplants okay. or kidney transplants for that matter, uh, or heart or lung transplants. So, uh, so downtown medical center is where you have Memorial Herman mm-hmm. Hospital, St. Luke's Hospital, and the hospital that I work at is called, uh, called Methodist Hospital. That's that's where transplants will happen, nowhere else. So you have to go to the hospital that does transplants and uh, uh, go to the transplant center because every, every hospital which is in the medical center will have a transplant center. And our Methodist Hospital also has a transplant center. And you go to the transplant center and, uh, and then you basically uh, will be seen by five different people. One will be a surgeon, which is mm-hmm. myself, uh, or somebody like myself who's a surgeon, a medical doctor, like for example, for liver, you will need a hepatologist. For kidneys, you will need a nephrologist. For heart, you'll need a cardiologist. Mm-hmm. For for lungs, you'll need a pulmonologist. So yeah. you get seen by these doctors, the surgeon. Then you get seen by a social worker. A social worker is somebody who will assess your social situation. So if I have a a job that's not going to likely to last for a very long time or my family situation is such that, that I will go back into the same problem. Say if I drink alcohol heavily and my, my wife or my other loved one is also drinking alcohol heavily then my chances of stopping to drink is very little. So mm-hmm. to break that situation, you need some social intervention. So you have social workers who help with that. Then we have financial workers who are basically looking at my, if I have correct insurance for this hospital. So there'll be so many times we'll have somebody referred for a transplant, but their their insurances are not contracted with Methodist Hospital, so we'll send them to St. Luke's, so or we'll send them to Memorial Home, and whichever hospital, we don't care. Yeah. What we care is, is the patient gets taken care of. Yes. And so what we, what is more important is that we do the right thing. And so we will send whoever, whichever insurance, whichever hospital is contracted with them. This contracts change every year with the hospital. Yeah. Every insurance company will, will reassess the hospital and say whether this hospital will do our patients or not. And if it switches from Methodist, to Memorial, to, it's just that's how the yeah. game is played these days. So whichever transplant center you've been to, you get your workup done, and then you basically go on the list. Mm-hmm. For liver transplant specifically, uh, the scoring system is called the MELD scoring system, M-E-L-D. That stands for Model for End Stage of Liver Disease. And if my MELD score is high, that means I'm very sick. If my MELD score is low, that means I'm not that sick. If my MELD score is high, I will get an offer. Okay. If my MELD score is not high, I won't get an offer. So essentially, in this area, because there's such... Such need for organs, such high need for organs, that you can only transplant people when their MELT score is super, super high. That means 90, not 90, 70% of my patients are in the ICU when we do their liver transplants. They're on, they're on, they're on the ventilator. They're on dialysis. They're on, on uh, using blood pressure medications to support the blood pressure, blood pressures. So they're so sick that they're out in the, like completely, Comatose in the Mm -hmm. ICU, on the ventilator, on dialysis, is waiting to get a transplant, Mm -hmm. and that Mel score is something called a Mel score of forty, and that's when we know that they will start getting liver offers. That means I know that almost sixty percent of my patients will die waiting. Oh, not sixty percent. I'm sorry. Only sixty percent people will land up getting transplanted. Forty percent will die if they're not proactive. So if I'm proactive, I will be aggressive. In getting my treatment, or my family will be aggressive in getting my treatment, but unfortunately, the weights are such, or the or the level of sickness has to be so bad that I have to be in the ICU to get an organ. Wow. So that brings us to the fact that how do we increase the organ? Availability. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking.
0: Yeah. It's not something you can Right. Just go you cannot get. go and get it. Yeah. So
1: there are two ways to donate an organ. One yes. is deceased donation, one is living donation. Okay. Living donation means that I have a loved one who needs a liver or a kidney and I can give them half of my liver or one of my kidneys. Oh. But uh, deceased donation, which is definitely more common in this country, mm-hmm. uh, if you go to like the East, uh, like India, Pakistan, and, and uh, mm-hmm. Singapore mm-hmm. and Japan, Korea, it's all living donation. But in this part of the world, it's mostly deceased donation. Okay. So let me talk about living donation first. Living donation means that I am a healthy person mm-hmm. and I want my loved one, my wife, my husband, my, my dad, my mother, whoever it is, I want this person to live longer. So I'll give half of my liver, or one of my kidneys to them. It's a yeah. very safe process. People do this all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you go to San Antonio, I'll give you this example. It's a city-wide phenomenon. And we can bring this to Houston also. Yeah. I admire people from San Antonio. I'll tell you why. They have the biggest living donor kidney program, and now they have the biggest living donor liver program. Oh. And the reason is a city-wide awareness. Mm-hmm. It took them 10 years to become city of donors. So. Mm-hmm. Half, you take half my liver, you know, somebody gets to live. You take one of my kidneys, somebody gets to live. It's such a safe process. Yes, you go through an operation. Yes, I have to go through pain of donating. And yes, I have to donate. And it's it's scary. It's scary for sure. But what is more important is to know that I'll be okay. Of course, there are risks. And obviously, no doctor is going to take the risk of having a donor have a problem. But if I'm healthy, I just have to be brave. That's all. And if I'm brave, I'll be able to donate. Yeah. If I'm healthy and I'm scared, obviously I'll I'll need to be educated that I really don't need to be scared because it's okay to donate. Yeah, All I have yeah. to be aware is that people are in need of organs. And if I don't step up, somebody will lose their life. Yeah. So, And if it's my loved one, it's right at home. And I, I have this chance to save somebody, I should if I have the resources, I should. Mm-hmm. So that is living donation. Then deceased donation is also something we have to talk about. Deceased donation means that, that I was in a car accident and I have a bad head injury and I'm brain dead. If I'm brain dead, my family can be asked, Hey, you know, you know, ambulances pick me up from the scene of crash. They take me to the hospital and, uh, I have no brain activity left, but my 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 oxygen was supplied because I was, I was intubated on the scene. That means the, the paramedics intubated me and they took me to the hospital and they put me on a ventilator. So my breathing is going on because of the ventilator. And as long as breathing is going on, your heart will beat. Now, just a quick example. Now, if you try to hold a breath and just try to take a deep breath and hold it. You can do it, right? Because your brain controls your breathing. If I'm brain dead, my breathing stops. Now try to stop your heart. You cannot stop your heart.
2: I'll say, wait a minute. Yeah,
1: Yeah. you cannot stop your heart because heart is autonomous. That means it's beating on its own. But breathing to some degree is controlled by your brain. So if I'm brain dead, my breathing will stop, but my heart will keep beating till I've stopped breathing for more than five minutes. And then finally my heart will stop beating. So if I get intubated on the scene, intubated means on the ventilator on the scene of, of say a motor vehicle accident and then by the time i reach the icu and the nurses assess me they will say okay this guy has no brain activity you know he has no brain blood flow in his brain then they'll call LifeGift. LifeGift life gift is an organization that is that assesses donors for uh suitability of organs so they call life gift says okay you know This guy's kidney is working okay. His his lungs look terrible because he had lung injury, but his heart looks okay. So let's 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 uh, send out a request to the family to see if the family wants to donate. And Mm -hmm. my wife comes in and says, "No, I'm too attached to him, and you know I'm all but pain dead. I have nothing left." But she's, "Oh no, I'm too attached. I cannot let him go like this." Although because she sees the monitor, sees sees my heart beating. And it is wrong. I have no brain activity left. There is no me left. It's just the heart that's beating. So people need to realize that brain death is death. It's yeah. not heart death. Yeah. Heart stops beating after after five to six minutes of no breathing. Yeah. But my brain's dead, It's I'm gone. There is nothing yeah. left of me. Yeah. You can keep me on the ventilator for two months, but you know there'll be no me coming back. Okay. So if people realize that giving acceptance on your driver's license to donate an organ then you're legally an organ donor no matter what my wife says no matter what my my son comes and says no i'm not going to give his organs but if my license says that i want to donate my organs then they'll set a court and they'll fight my wife or my 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 son to say hey no your dad Wanted, or your husband yeah. wanted to donate his or her organs, and you better accept his last wishes. Yeah. If you don't, then the court will interject. So, I think the best way to do it is that we all become donors. Yeah. When we all become donors, then these organs, which are of no use anymore, will be utilized by somebody. Yeah. And it's a very, it's a very good way to let somebody go. So, if I, I'm 50 years old tomorrow, mm. I die. I was like, oh man, he died at 50, you know. Yeah. But you know what? My organs will live through somebody else, mm-hmm. so the, my it's something getting good out of a bad thing happening. Yes, so it is important to realize that organ donation has a positive part to it. Mm-hmm. If I have a loved one die early, it's very, very sad but I can get something positive out of it by seeing somebody else live through his or her organs. Yeah, yeah. so it is that is why it is important. To be a donor, mm-hmm. it is important to put that checkbox on your on your driver's license. Say, "I want to donate." There is no scary left because I'm dead. You know yeah. what am I going to do with my organs? So let somebody else have a life if they want to live. So, mm-hmm. so that is organ donation, uh, and the transplant process. Then you know the what happens is once uh, the operating room timing is set, you know somebody will come and you know a person will come from. Iowa to take my heart, somebody will come from from uh Dallas to take my liver, somebody will come from uh Tennessee to get my kidneys and the four different teams will come at the same time. They'll acquire the organs at the same time and they'll fly out and utilize those organs. And then my body basically goes to, to a to a morgue or something, and you know families do, do their last rites, and they're done. So that's how the organ process for deceased donation happens, mm-hmm. and when uh, living donation we talked about and deceased donation that's the process. And then you know whoever gets the organ, they continue to have a, a good life.
0: Yes. So yeah. that's what we want to talk about, right? Like once they get the transplant, be yeah. it liver or kidney, like. What are their survival rates and oh, then yeah. uh, how so, do they take right, care right. Of it?
1: So uh, let's talk about like four organs. We'll talk about liver, kidney, heart, lung. Mm-hmm. So liver transplant, I'm say say I have liver failure. I will be in the ICU on the ventilator and whatnot. And then uh, now the roles have changed. I'm not the donor. I'm the ex- receiver. Yeah. So, So if I'm... About to get a kidney tra- a liver transplant I'm in the ICU my family gets excited when there is an organ suddenly becomes available and then I go to the operating room uh, it's like a seven hour operation the liver transplant is done and then this I spend some time in the ICU recovering and then I go to the go to the floors where I spend some more time recovering and then I go to rehab to get stronger and yeah. then I basically go home. it's like a two or three month process of getting stronger. Oh. Yeah, for liver transplants, because liver transplant is lots people are a lot sicker. Okay. Uh, then I have to take immunosuppressive medicines that which are suppressing my immune system because my, I don't you don't want my immune system to attack the new liver yeah. that I have, and then I have to take it all my life. Yeah. Liver is a very hardy organ. It'll it does not require a lot of immunosuppression. It it'll continue to live. If I have lived with a liver transplant for five or seven years, I probably need very little immunosuppression because. Uh, my body has become used to the new organ. And and I take, have to take like a very little dose, maybe one or two tablets a day and I'm done, I'm okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, kidney transplants, let's talk about that for a second. Kidney transplants say I've been on dialysis now for five to six years because it's that long. It takes that long to get a kidney. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I have to be in dialysis for six years and be alive for six years (laughs) before i'll get in and that's how it is in the entire country actually but
0: is there an age thing too like do you have to be under a certain age i would think
1: so yes there is an age but it's more about functionality say if i'm my my transplant center says no kidney transplants after say 70 years of age Yeah, that's not true i Mm -hmm. mean actually we will transplant people up to 75 if i'm a if I am somebody who exercises every day, I go to work every day and I'm also doing dialysis, yeah. what's wrong in transplanting me if I'm 75? Yeah. You okay. know, yeah. I am a functioning member of the society. Please okay. give me a kidney yeah. if there's a kidney available. And there's nothing wrong with it. Okay. There is no cutoff age because I'm 75. I may be a 50-year-old who's bed-bound, who has not walked in a year and a half. Mm. I have one leg amputated. I cannot think straight. I've had a stroke. Of course, don't transplant me because, yeah. so what? I'm 50, but I've yeah. had a stroke. I have one leg amputated. I cannot get out of bed. What quality yeah. of life are you trying to add by giving me? A, so, yeah. age is not a great cutoff. Okay. What is more important is how functioning I am. If I'm functioning, please give yeah. me an organ. Okay. Yeah.
2: There's wow. still some life left. Yeah, yes, yeah. life
1: left. I have yeah. like, if I have enthusiasm, if the rest of my body works. Please give me a kidney transplant. Yeah. yeah, it's going to change my life. I don't. I'll have to stop going to dialysis. And If I do hemodialysis, and I got stop going to the centers. If I do peritoneal dialysis, and I stop hooking myself to the machine every night. Yeah. it's a different difference in quality of my life, yeah. and, and it also extends my 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 life. Yeah. So that's kidney transplants. I'm not a heart lung person, but I want to talk about it. So again, lung transplants are not a very common procedure in the United States. It's uh, out of all the transplants, the least done is small bowel transplant, but the next is, is a lung transplant. Uh, it's just that it's just maturing. It's a, it's a newer transplant. Mm-hmm. But the common cause for lung transplant that we all need to be aware of is acid reflux. Acid reflux, which a lot of people have, you know, they'll have belching and whatnot, and nighttime, they'll have heartburns and whatnot. So we need to be aware that that if you have bad acid reflux and you have silent aspiration happening at night, you have small amount of acid going from your esophagus into your breathing tube. And over 10 years of silent acid reflux may, may develop something called pulmonary fibrosis. That means my lungs may become hard, and the breathing becomes an issue, and then I need a lung transplant. So that is prevention of of lung disease. One of them really is prevention of acid reflux, or making sure if you have, if I have bad acid reflux and I, I when I sleep I sleep at a slightly reclined position that I'm not completely flat in my bed sleeping. And heart failure is obviously you know uh, people get heart failure from most common causes obviously you know, bad heart attacks, people have had uh, myocardial infarctions, which are more which is a more scientific way of saying heart attack. Uh, if I've had heart attacks and affected my parts of my heart and my heart doesn't squeeze really well, so usually your your what is what is called ejection fraction should be less than twenty percent and that means my heart's barely Doing its job, I have to kind of stay in one place because if I get and start walking, I'll get short of breath. Uh, and heart failures usually happen again: diabetes, chronic hypertension, and heart attacks. And uh, sometimes it's it's uh, it's myocardial uh, problems coming from viral diseases. You know, people can have viral diseases causing uh, cardiomyopathy. That means just heart problems not related to to heart attacks. And then I need a heart transplant. So. So these are a lot of things are preventable. So we should talk about prevention more than reaching transplant. The yeah. transplant is the very last thing you want to talk about.
0: Right? Yes. Um, I can't believe the time's almost up. Okay. Uh, but we wanted to like, what is your message? If you wanted to give one message, what would you like to share with the
1: listeners? Uh, two things. One, have a system in the house which says, I'm okay stopping you from eating too mm-hmm. much. Mm-hmm. Don't don't stop eating sweets or you know enjoying a good meal every now and then. But if I, if you've had a good meal, just be careful. Yeah. calorie counting. Mm-hmm. Don't get enamored by exercise gyms, just add more daily activity yeah. two. Three please be a donor. whether you're a living donor or you want to donate your organs after you after you're gone, please be a donor. Please go. Next time you get your license renewed, please have that organ donor on your, on your license and be aware of fatty liver disease. Mm -hmm. Be aware of, of alcoholic liver disease, especially kids. Uh, Be aware of mental health, especially kids, teenagers going to college, just reach college, change the situation. And, uh, Eat a you know lead a healthy life and uh, that is uh, that is the message. If somebody know wants to hear one message, is just try not to find me anywhere. Don't ever have this surgeon be a surgeon ever. Sure. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, stay away from people like <laughs> yeah. us. Yeah, that is the message. In a good uh, way. <laughs> yes, yeah. in a
0: good way. Thank you so much. Like this is personal to me and Sasha yeah. because both our father in laws passed away with uh, kidney, yes, uh, yeah, you know. Yes. So uh, we really appreciate you sharing the information and yeah. giving us hope. Uh, I know it's not to scare, but to create awareness. That like you most said, important. Yeah, yeah, to create awareness. Everything
1: can be yeah. scary if you don't know about it. You yes. know. If, if sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night like what is that noise turns out it's the washing machine yeah. <laughs> so if I'm not aware I'll be scared yes you know yeah so, so yes
0: thank you so much yeah. and we really